Take the word of God and turn to 2 Samuel. I believe we were somewhere near there this morning. I wasn't in the main part of the service. I was downstairs, but got a little bit of, did a little eavesdropping as I walked out. Second Samuel 15, we're just going to read one verse as we begin and then we'll pray and there's a lot wrapped into these few chapters that we'll try to just do a quick overview of. I'm sure many of you are familiar with much of the details that are taking place, but recently I read through this and was reminded of just the the drama that unfolded in just a few chapters of scripture. Second Samuel, chapter 15, look at verse number 31. We read, and one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Some time ago, I was uh, just listening to someone kind of go through this story, and there were some things that I was unaware of that I learned, and it's just been something that's been on my heart and my mind for some time. I read through this the other day and was refreshed and reminded of the events. And we're going to just take a look at the rise and the fall of Ahithophel. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I ask that you would take your word, and with power, I pray you would work in the hearts of your people. May we find encouragement, conviction, and Lord, just a work of grace within us as a church. May you send us forth encouraged and, and strengthened and changed. Lord, may you bless our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you were to read over these few chapters, and we'll consider them in just a moment, but you'll find that there is a a great conspiracy that took place. The young man, Absalom, David's son, conspired against his own father, and a series of events unfolded prior to that to give him this, this zeal of conquest and defeat for his, his dad and the kingdom. We won't, we won't take the time to look at that, but just as, you know, as you'll know or need to know, Absalom desires to take over the kingdom from his father. And he had been conspiring. This has been something that's been in the works for some time. The Bible says he was basically kind of smooth-talking the people for months or maybe even years in preparation for this moment. And David has fled, taken some men with him, but Absalom had conspired and, and stolen the hearts. In fact, I'm just going to turn over and read for you. We might read this again in a moment, but look at verse number 11 of chapter 15. It says... And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, interesting phrase here, it says, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. You know, we've seen that even in churches where men who seek, or even women who seek power or authority and lead people astray, often lead people in their simplicity. Here he does that, but then verse 12 says, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel, and then look at this uh, second half of the, the, the verse. It says, And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. There was this growing um, enthusiasm to follow after 
This young man, Absalom, we, we could look at it, but if many of you know, he was said to be a very beautiful man or a very handsome man. He had this long hair that he chopped off once a year and he waited. It was so thick and heavy. And ultimately, it would bring about his demise. But, but there was something about him that was compelling. He had that, that charisma, that, that, that beauty and, and, and his words. Just something led people to him and ultimately led them away from what was right. Ahithophel was one of those men. But if we could look at the reputation of Ahithophel, I think we'd see something much different in his past. In fact, look over in chapter 16 in verse number 23. It says, In the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired of the oracles of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. There was something about this man that it, when he spoke, it was as if God was speaking through him. His wisdom, his insight was that of excellence. And David enjoyed having him as a counselor. I was reminded there in Proverbs 11:14, where it says, where no counsel is the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. And then in similar words in chapter 24 of Proverbs, uh, verse 6, it says, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. David found counsel and counselors to provide him safety. And Ahithophel was one of his counselors. He was one of his advisors, the Bible calls him. And I think in many ways, his past proved that he was a very good man. We could look at his reputation. We could see his wisdom. We, uh, we looked at this, but chapter 15 and verse number 31 said, when, when, Absalom, or when, when David was told that Ahithophel was one of the advisors now to Absalom, David prayed and said, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. No doubt his counsel was of wisdom. There was wisdom in his voice and in his nature, his character. I believe him to be a respected man. In uh, verse number 34 of that same chapter, 15, it, sa it says, but if thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, this is, uh, let me back up just so you're aware of what's taking place. A man by the name of Hushai, the archite, came to David, and David said unto him, you're going to be a burden if you hang out with us. Imagine him telling you that. You're going to be, you're going to be too much for us to bear. But if you go back, you have the potential to really um, just mix up the words of, uh, of the counsel of Ahithophel. He said to go back, and here's what he said in verse 34, but if thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. See, I think his, his counselors were very loyal men. They were known for their loyalty. He said, just like Ahithophel left me and went back to Absalom, um, you leave me and go to Absalom. You're going to look like one of my, another one of my loyal members leaving me and going to him. He was respected. He was admired for his, his, uh, his words. We read that verse in um, chapter 16, verse 23, as if his words were as the oracles of God. I, I suppose him to be a very godly man, seeming to walk in the, um, the leadership of the Almighty. And then look at verse number 31 of chapter 15 again. When he heard 
when David heard the words that Ahithophel was among the conspirators, it was, a very, it was a great shock to him. I think that really shows not only his respect, but also his loyalty to David. He was surprised when Ahithophel had forsaken him. Again, in Proverbs 22 and verse 1, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Up until this point, it appears that Ahithophel had a good name. He had a name of character. He had a name of uh, a, a reputation of loyalty and wisdom. Unfortunately, though, we've all seen this, maybe firsthand, maybe from a distance. We've seen men and women. We've seen people in leadership. We've seen over the years, if, you're, if you've been aware or alive for very long, You've seen people who you thought you could trust turn their back on you. You've seen people who were in a position of leadership or, or maybe a place where you had confidence in them and find them to forsake you. Here, David finds the forsaking of a man of reputation. Where did this all begin, though? If we could look at the, the, the digression of Ahithophel, this, this downward decline, where would it begin and where would it end? Back up just uh, uh, to the beginning of this chapter, and let's just run through this and, and hit some of the main points. Verse number 11 says, And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew nothing, or knew not anything, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel. Here was the beginning where Ahithophel begins to follow Absalom. I don't know what Absalom told him. But it almost seems, and I think we'll see this in a little while, it almost seems that Ahithophel was ready to leave David and join Absalom. Now, I don't believe that Absalom had been working behind the scenes with Ahithophel. See, he had been working behind the scenes with these people in simplicity, not with people in wisdom. So why was it that Ahithophel was so quick to forsake David and join after Absalom? We see here, the, 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 really the beginning of the story. Over in chapter 15 and, or I'm sorry, 16 and verse number 15, it says, And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai the archite, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. This is this episode where... <clears throat> Hushai joins up with Absalom as a conspirator against him. And then we find when verse number 20 that um, Absalom is looking for some wisdom from Ahithophel. He's already going to him for counsel. Verse 20 says, Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. He was already quick to leave David. But he really turns on him in verse number, these next few verses, beginning in verse number 21. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent, then on top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired of the oracles of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Imagine this. Absalom asked Ahithophel, what should I do now? 
I mean, how shall I really take over the kingdom? Ahithophel doesn't say, you know, start an army or begin a conquest or begin to rule righteously. He says, have an immoral relationship with your fathers, basically his wives. I mean, I mean what, what a, a low and, and just disgusting act upon his own mind. Where, where, what could have happened with Ahithophel that he could have gone so quickly, not just in the conspiracy, but now to really take advantage or, or go against the character and the nature of David. But it gets even worse. Look at verse number 1 in chapter 17. The Bible says, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only." murderous attitude and actions are in his mind. I don't know that Ahithophel was ever a armed leader or a military man, but all of a sudden he says, Absalom, I'll tell you what to do. Leave it up to me. I'll go out tonight, this very night. You give me the men, the power, and I'll go out tonight and I'll find David and I'll kill him. By the way, his, his attitude toward this would have worked. We find that David was scared. He was, he was wounded. He was weak. He was hiding. And I, I think this would have been a way to take David. Thankfully, Hushai was there. And uh, uh, Absalom basically says, well, let's, let's get a second opinion on this. And uh, Hushai said, oh, no, you know your, your, your dad. He's got those mighty men. And uh, he said, they're chafed. They're like a bear robbed of her whelps. You go after him, and they're going to they're gonna kill every last one of us. And so Absalom changed his mind toward Ahithophel's advice. And it was so hurtful, it was so, such a blow to Ahithophel. Look over in chapter 17 and verse number 23. It says, when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to a city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. If we could turn this around and go in reverse, we see his own suicide before his murderous tendencies and ideas. We see his degradation as far as his attitude toward David, his master. We see the initial betrayal. And I think it all began with a series of bitterness and unforgiveness. We'll look at this in just a moment. Imagine, though, this man, this man of loyalty, this man of character, this man of respect, and he's gone so far in this downward slide. You know, it's a reminder. I think it ought to be a reminder for all of us to be cautious because the heart of man is deceitfully wicked, as the Bible tells us. And so go I, but for the grace of God. You know, sometimes we see people maybe crumble under pressures, and it's so easy to cast doubt or questions behind their character or, or, or how they went wrong. But can I remind you, it's a, it ought to be a reminder to us to be vigilant and to be focused on, on our actions and our decisions. This good man, Ahithophel, had a downward sp spiral that went very quickly and ultimately ended with his life. If we could look at the cause of Ahithophel, I think we've got to go back a few chapters 
Turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Really, for all this betrayal and this conspiracy, this is really where it all began. We find that we'll see in just a moment, but the, uh, we won't look at the actual uh, charge from God, but ultimately God cursed David's house and he said, you're going to have wars within your own house because of this. But in verse 1 of chapter 11, it says... And it came to pass after the year was expired that uh, at the time when the kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned into her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. You remember this episode where David has this immoral relationship with this woman, and he's hoping it's just, you know, a, a quick time and he's, it's all over and he can just pretend nothing happened. But then he gets a message from her saying, I'm with child. And the big problem is that my husband's been gone for some time and he's going to be gone for some time. You remember that David tries to cover his sin and he sends for Uriah. And he de desires Uriah to basically take a break from battle and go home for a little while to try to disguise this whole situation. And what a man Uriah was. Uriah sleeps there at the king's house among the servants. And David questions him, why didn't you go home? And he said, how could I go home? My, my brethren are out fighting in the battle. I can't, I can't go home with my wife and be a part of my family when I know my, 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 my fellow patriots are out on the battlefield. And then David, instead of seeking the Lord, instead of confessing his sin, he has to try to cover his sin with more sin. And you remember that he sends the message in his, this man's own hand, Uriah's own hand, for Joab to put him in the front of the battle and to retire from him that he might die. And that's exactly what happens. And then David becomes the hero when... Uriah's dead, he sends for Bathsheba and says, I'll, I, you know, you can become my wife now, your husband's dead, so, so I'll be the, the hero and come rescue you from widowhood. Look at verse number 27 of that chapter 11. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now I can't say for sure but I can't help but wonder if some of the hurt, I know some of the hurt came from this, but if some of the cause of Ahithophel's decline was not that, first of all, he was uninformed of the situation. He's his counselor. This is David's counselor. Shouldn't David have gone to Ahithophel and said, Ahithophel, I've made a mistake and I need your help. What should I do? I wonder if part of the issue was that his 
master, the leader at hand, had disappointed him. The man who he trusted, the man who he looked up to, the man who he loved, had really let him down. But I also can't help but know that he had a hurt. He was left with a broken heart. If you would, look one more time at chapter 11, verse 3. It says, And David sent and inquired at the woman, after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Now turn over to chapter number 23. Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam. The dad was Eliam. And look at verse number 34 of chapter 23. This is the genealogy of the times. It says, Eliphalet, the son of Ahasabai, the son of Maacathite, and then Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. It appears that Bathsheba was Ahithophel's daughter, our granddaughter. I'm reminded of the hurt that people face day in and day out, the sorrows that man faces. I was talking to a lady yesterday at her doorstep, and she was just sharing with me all the grief and the hurt in her past. I was at the nursing home today, and watched as two older than me, but young ladies sat with their aged mothers with Alzheimer's. We brought in children today who came, but their parents wouldn't set foot in the church. And we find people in this world that are hurting we see the pain and the, the anguish of men all around us. Here we see a man by the name of Ahithophel, who I think was very hurt. But I think there's a cure for men like Ahithophel. And I think there's a cure for us today when we find ourselves hurt, such as him. Looked at Second Peter chapter five, or First Peter five, verse six and seven today at the nursing home, where it says, "Cast your cares upon Him, for He careth for you." And I, as I spoke to some of those people at the nursing home, the second one I go to is more of a, a ladies' retreat. We didn't have any men in our service, but they're a six or eight or so senior ladies in their 80s and 90s, and, and just as I spoke to them, I couldn't help but imagine all the grief and the sorrows that they experienced over their lifetime. Nearly all of them, maybe all of them, had experienced a, a husband who had passed away. Many of them had faced the loss of children. One of them, I know just some of the, the, the immediate needs of their life, and, and we talked about casting our cares upon the Lord. We talked about the need to identify the fact that we all have cares. And I think it's good to remind ourselves that all of us experience hurt from time to time. All of us experience sorrows and griefs. And some of them come 
not just, you know, as a way of life, but some of them are directed toward us. I think Ahithophel here felt like some of this hurt was directed right at him. But there's a cure, there's hope, there's, there's a remedy for men like Ahithophel. And when you look back at your life and maybe you consider events of recent days of hurt and sorrows, maybe there are things this evening that you can't help but get off your mind. Maybe there's people in your life that you've become bitter against or, or maybe there's just disagreements that, you've, that you know that are still there in your past that have kind of moved through into the, the present. I think there's a few needs that we need to consider. Number one... Put your confidence in God, not man. Could it be that Ahithophel's confidence really wasn't in the Lord, but it was directed upon David? And when David fell, it was that much more of a blow to Ahithophel. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the problems of man don't bring us hurt at times, but we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to keep our focus on the Lord. We need to keep our, 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 our hearts intent upon the Lord. Young people, can I remind you today that your parents aren't perfect and they're going to let you down at times? Husbands, can I remind you that your wives are going to disappoint you at times? I don't need to remind the wives that your husband's going to let you. He did this afternoon. You're reminded of that every day, right? As we receive Pastor Weiss into our church if he hasn't already, I can assure you there's going to be a time where he lets you down. But our confidence not in men. Our confidence is in God. Our, our focus is on God. And when people at times let us down or disappoint us or do things that we don't agree with, does it hurt? It, it probably will. Is it going to leave a wound? It may. But when our hope is not in men, instead it's on God, our, our whole world doesn't come crashing down. Number two, leave the vengeance to the Lord. Ahithophel, it seemed, was looking for an opportunity to bring about vengeance. In his eyes, God had not judged David. In his eyes, there was something he needed to do to really bring swift judgment upon David. And finally, when his opportunity came, he, he jumped on. I mean, he, he went all the way. He, he saw an opportunity when Absalom took, began to conspire, and he thought, here's my chance. And immediately he joined with Absalom, and it wasn't long before he was ready to kill David. And ultimately, when he realized he couldn't bring vengeance to David, it was such a, such a blow in his mind, he committed suicide. One of the things, I think, that made David who he was all through the Psalms we see this, where he didn't, he didn't fight the battles that belonged to God. Often he prayed, I mean, he prayed some very zealous prayers against his enemies. You remember that phrase he used, Lord, break out their teeth. I mean, I mean if you're going to pray for your enemies, the, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. <laughs> David said, Lord, break out their teeth. I mean, I mean, he knew how to pray for his enemies. I don't think that's what Jesus meant, but, but you know what ultimately God, uh, David was saying? David was saying, God, if they, if they get punished, it's going to be on you. They've hurt me, they've wounded me, they've gone, gone against me, but you're in control of the situation. And he let that battle go. 
Ahithophel couldn't let it go. And he wanted to bring vengeance himself. Don't put confidence in man, but rather put it in God. Number two, leave vengeance to the Lord. Number three, no matter how small the hurt, bitterness and unforgiveness will always lead to ruin. Listen, tonight, I don't care how small of an issue it was. When you leave bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, it will ruin you. It may take time. It may go on for years, but ultimately, it will ruin you. You've heard testimonies or maybe you've experienced in your life or maybe tonight you're experiencing it where something's happened in your past and maybe you didn't mean to, but you became bitter at the Lord. You, you began to question God's authority. And time had a way of healing the circumstances, but when you reflect upon that, there's always something that grieves you. Maybe it was something that someone did or said to you. And, you know, you forget about it and you don't worry about it. But then all of a sudden something kind of sparks your, your memory and you go back to that time. The Bible tells us not to quench the spirit. God wants to work in our church. God wants to work in your family. God wants to work in your life personally. But he can't do it where there's unforgiveness. Ahithophel would have never thought, I don't believe, that night when he became angry with David that he would be seeking to kill him. I can't imagine him saying, if I can't get justice on David, I'm going to kill myself. I can't imagine him thinking that, but that's what it led to. Because this bit of bitterness just began to permeate and grow and just began to overflow in his life. Which leaves us with one more thought, number four. Deal with unforgiveness and hurt now. Ahithophel was an advisor. And I think if someone would have came to Ahithophel and said, Ahithophel, someone hurt me the other day or a year ago or a decade ago. What should I do about it? I don't think in his wisdom Ahithophel would have said, let's try and take his kingdom and kill him. No, he would have said, let's take it to the Lord. Let's find healing through the power of forgiveness. As Christ has forgiven you, let's forgive them. And let's begin to move on from that hurt. Let's find the hope that Christ wants to offer. See, the wisdom of a counselor would have given him hope. But he was so blinded by his own hurt and his unforgiveness, he couldn't see past that. Tonight, maybe you've been blinded by some type of hurt. Maybe there's something in your life that's held you spiritually Maybe there's something in your marriage that's holding you back. Maybe there's something in your family or your relationship with your parents or your children or your siblings. And though it maybe hasn't occurred to you in weeks, the moment I said it, it crossed your mind. I can remember many years ago, I had a, uh, I was just really seeking the Lord about, it was before I was scheduled to preach, it was actually at a camp. And I was just really seeking the Lord about what to preach and and for his leading, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somewhere from the Lord, a memory crossed my mind about something that happened to me in, I guess you'd call it middle school, seventh or eighth grade, just a, a attitude of disrespect I showed a teacher, 
And I was probably 19 or 20 at the time. So some seven or eight years had passed. And I thought, well, that's silly. They don't remember that. And I thought, well, if it's so silly, why do I remember that? And you know, I had to, I ultimately went to that person, that teacher, and I apologized. And they said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I said, good, and I didn't think you would. But I said, yeah, I know it hasn't hurt you, but it's been hurting me. It's been bugging me. And you know the relief I got from that? It, it's hard to describe. But the unwillingness to take care of it, though I didn't want to admit it, was, was hurting me. Tonight, there are things in your mind that's just arisen, I'm sure. Maybe not for everybody, but maybe just one person here. And you know there's something you said or something you've done or, or, a, or something you've refused to say. And God's dealing with you tonight. Why would you go home tonight without taking care of it? I guess we could answer that with pride, selfishness, foolishness. Why don't you surrender all those things to God and find his grace? What a wonderful thing the grace of God is. What a wonderful thing forgiveness is. And can I just remind you, going forward in the days ahead, there's going to be times of hurt. There's going to be days where you think nobody cares. People are going to say things to you, and you're going to think, why, how, why would, how could they say that? Why would they say that? Or they're going to forget to say things to you, like happy birthday or something real serious. And you're going to say, everybody forgot. Nobody remembers me. And Satan is looking for an advantage, the Bible tells us. And he's, he's smooth, he's slick. And he's going to find little things that if you're not careful, if you're not vigilant, he's going to get that in your mind. And if he can just get it there and let it stick, it's like a seed that's going to grow. Tonight, let's take care of any bitterness or hurt that might be in our life. I know Pastor Weiss just preached a sermon similar to this. And I don't know necessarily why the Lord laid this on my heart. Maybe it was because you were here a few weeks ago and God spoke to you and you refused to surrender. Maybe it was because you missed the service. I don't know. But let's let him have his way in our hearts tonight. I hope he's spoken to you He's reminded me through this lesson, through this story of Ahithophel. Let's make sure we keep our minds clear and our hearts clean of bitterness and unforgiveness. And let's let him have his way in our hearts.